Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds that we might receive all that your spirit wants to speak to us in this chapter and through Joshua's life. Lord, I pray that not one of us would be left behind when it comes to being prepared to enter the promises that you have for us. God, may we enter these promises with joy, realizing that this is your will for us. It's a good will. It's good promises. It's a good land. So Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would anoint this time that we spend together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So believe it or not, There's a lot of people who are not prepared to enter into the promises that God has for them. In the Bible, Jesus tells his parable in Matthew chapter 25 about 10 women. Five were foolish, five were wise. What made the difference between the wise and the foolish? It was that the wise were prepared and the foolish were unprepared. That means the wise were prepared for when the bridegroom came and took them off to the ceremony. And how were they prepared? Because they brought extra oil in case the promise was delayed In case the promiser was delayed, they'd have extra oil to see them through. And when the groom came, the one who was promised, they could have enough oil to light their lamps and keep them lit through the whole journey. Now, the foolish ones were the ones who were unprepared. These five women did not have extra oil oil. So when the bridegroom came to the door and said, it's time to go to the wedding feast, they said, we don't have enough oil. And they tried to borrow from the other's preparation. And the five wives said, we don't have enough oil for both of us. You go buy oil. And when the five foolish women went to buy oil, they missed the journey of the bridegroom to the bridal feast. And when they finally got the oil and came to the feast and knocked on the door, the bridegroom answered and said, you're too late. You weren't ready. This poses a challenge for us. Are we prepared to enter into the promises of the Lord? Are we like the five foolish virgins or are we like the five wise virgins? In Joshua chapter one, we have the preparation of Joshua to enter into the promised land or the promise of God. From his example, we learned that there are seven preparations that we need to take. Let me read them to you. We need to forget the past. We need to arise and go. Thirdly, we need to rehearse the promise. Four, we need to practice God's presence. Five, we need to seek God's strength and courage for the work. Six, we need to meditate on God's word. And finally, seven, we need to receive encouragement from others. Each of these preparations I've spoken about builds upon the other one, and they must all be done in order to effectively prepare to enter into the promises of God. Why did Joshua need this preparation? For the same reason you and I need it. For Joshua, the task was great. Entering into these great and exceedingly great promises is difficult. Moses was an incredible and faithful and anointed leader. And this is the leadership that Joshua had to step into. Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. It was an incredible emancipation. Then he had led them 40 years in the wilderness through hostility 
and battles and deprivation. God's hand was undeniably upon Moses, and it was proven by the law of God that was given to Moses, Moses' personal meetings with God, Moses' radiant glow, the ground swallowing up and taking all of his challengers down, the authority of Moses' word, how what Moses said always came true, that Moses had this experience with God and was aged with all the wisdom of age, and that Moses gave good counsel and wise guidance to the people. And then, of course, there were the miracles done through Moses from the Red Sea parting, the bitter water made sweet, the water coming from a rock, the manna, the serpent being put up on a pole, and everyone who looked to that serpent being delivered from the snake bite. Now, Joshua obviously lived in Moses' shadow and in awe of Moses. He respected Moses. He loved Moses. And now he was being asked to take Moses' place and to even go further than Moses and take the people where Moses had been forbidden to go. Joshua was to take the people into all the promises of God. But before Joshua were many obstacles. There was a great river to cross with a multitude of families, livestock, tents, and furnishings. There was much land to take possession of. There were giants to contend with. There were fortified cities to conquer. There were angry, aggressive armies to do battle with. And the people that he was taking in would need to be organized and the land divided and given to them to possess. There were also seductive and pagan idols in the land that Joshua was entering to conquer. And Joshua was 80 years old. He didn't have the energy of the 40-year-old that had come across the Red Sea. Not to mention that the promises of God were so big, the entire land of promise, so vast that they were humanly impossible. The promises God gives to you and me today are exceedingly great. Remember, we talked about that. They're beyond great and they're precious. Now, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to warn you, I'll probably be telling you this every week in quoting 2 Peter 1.4 about the exceedingly great and precious properties of the promises of God. And when we look at the promises that God is giving us, often like Joshua, we don't feel up to the task or even worthy of the promise. There are many obstacles before us and humanly speaking, we can't see how they could possibly be fulfilled or even come to pass in our lifetime or with us as the instrument of God. So what do we do about this? We must prepare ourselves, even as God prepared Joshua and Joshua prepared himself to receive the promises of God. Now in Joshua 1, God gave Joshua this first principle. In verse 1 of Joshua 1, God reminds Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. As mentioned earlier, Joshua had followed Moses 
for over 40 years. There's a certain security in having a strong leader that you can follow. You can rely on his conversations with God. You can rely on his leading. You don't have to hear God for yourself. He hears God and tells you. That makes it so much easier. You don't have to lean into the divine. Joshua had only received God's word through Moses, but now Joshua would need a direct connection with God. No doubt Joshua would be tempted to do what Moses had already done rather than seeking God for himself and what God wanted Joshua to do. When we lean too much on the past or what another great leader has done, we develop traditions which actually pull us away from God and from dependency on God rather than pushing us closer to God or preparing us for the promises of God. I wonder if Joshua was tempted to wear a WWMD bracelet. In other words, what would Moses do bracelet? Joshua needed to forget the past and look forward, not backward. Paul the Apostle saw this as a necessity to entering into the promises of God. In Philippians 3.13, and I quote, Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. In other words, Paul says, I haven't fully entered into the promises of God, all the things that God has for me, but this I'm doing. I am forgetting the things that are behind and pressing forward. You see, preparation to enter the promises of God requires a putting away of the past. Yes, that was yesterday, but we need to look to tomorrow and have that readiness to move forward with God's promises. God then commanded Joshua to simply arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. You see, the second principle is to simply arise and go. Let me remind you that the Jordan River at this time was overflowing its banks. Some say that it could have been up to a mile wide and up to 20 feet deep at this time. I mean, that's quite a large river to ford. When you go to the Jordan River today, it doesn't look like that anymore. And that's because it's the number one resource of water for the whole land of Israel. It's like the Colorado River. It's not what it used to be because of us people in Southern California that love to drink from it, water our lawns from it. So even as the Colorado River is greatly decreased, so the Jordan River is. But at that time, it was a huge obstacle to entering into the promises of God. But God says to Joshua, Joshua, get up and go. Often what we need to do is just take the first step toward the promise. We need to knock on the door, put the key in the ignition, get out of bed for some of us, put one foot in front of the other, just open the book or just type the first word. So Joshua needed to arise. When we lived in England, I fell into this depression. I had never been depressed before. And this depression actually made me um, bedridden. 
And I would get out and I would pray and I would go back to bed. Well, I had four children to homeschool, a family to feed, guests to be hospitable to, Bible studies to teach. And yet I found myself paralyzed and I, you know, by this depression. And I remember my son Char, he entered the room and he says, Mom, do you think you're doing anyone any good by staying in bed? And I said, no. He said, do you think you're pleasing God? I said, no. He said, do you think you're helping any of the family or dad? I said, no. He says, okay, then it's time to get up. And he walked out of my room. He was all of 15 years old. No, 13 years old. Kristen was 15. He was 13. And I heard him say to his siblings, it's all right. Mom's going to be fine. I had a talk with her. But you know what? That talk really did work because God used it to help me just simply get out of bed. It wasn't that the depression immediately left or even lifted. It was simply, it was time to arise and get up and just start moving. And I found that the more I walked in obedience to God and just did the things that I was called to do, the more the depression lifted. A similar word was given to Zerubbabel by the prophet Zechariah. Zerubbabel also had a daunting job before him. He was told to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which was in absolute disarray and rubble. The stones that had been pulled off of each other weighed up to 20 tons. And God was saying to Zerubbabel, I want you to lay the foundation of the temple and rebuild the temple and reestablish Jerusalem. He also faced hostile opposition um, from the enemies all around. He faced political opposition from the government. He faced um, comparisons by the Israelites themselves. In fact, some, when he laid the foundation, began to cry because it just didn't look like the foundation that Solomon had laid. And all of this was against Zerubbabel. Yet God has a word for Zerubbabel. And he says, Who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. God was saying to Zerubbabel, Don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the day of arising and getting up. Just simply Put the plumb line down. Start measuring and the rest will be done. And then God said this amazing thing to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God then reminded Joshua of the personal promise that God himself had made to Joshua. In verses 3 through 6 of Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. For this people you shall divide the land as an inheritance, which I swore to their fathers to give them. God's promise itself has power contained in it. The more we simply rehearse the promise and we do that 
Well, I personally do it by highlighting it, circling it, dating it in my Bible, reading it again and again, remembering it, considering it, looking at it, praying over it. Sometimes I even put my hand on that promise in the Bible and just pray it, pray it into my heart, pray it into my life, pray it for those it concerns. The more it becomes a part of us, the more we rehearse it, the more it will become our reality, our hope, and our expectation. What promises has God given you? Are you rehearsing them? Are you speaking them to yourself over and over again? I like to write them down. I like to have them close at hand. I like to preach them to myself. And I like to put a frame around them and hang them on the walls of my house so they stare back at me every day. You can't lay claim to a promise that you can't remember or that you don't know. We need to repeat these promises again and again, and we need to remind ourselves of the promises in the Word of God. Joshua was reminded of the promise, and he needed to continually rehearse the promise of God. This is what God has promised. This is what God will do. Fourthly, Joshua's preparation included practicing the presence of God. God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God never intends for us to try to take or lay claim to the promises by ourselves. He is the one who goes before us, behind us, with us, beside us. So how do we practice his presence? I believe it's by having a continual conversation with God. I love to turn my thoughts into prayers. I find if I just concentrate on my thoughts, they can go south really fast. I can be thinking about mayhem and get depressed and just uh, all sorts of bad things. But if I turn my thoughts into prayers, it's amazing how fast the promises of God come to me. And I am cognizant of God's presence with me. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Could it be that Paul was saying, Turn your thoughts into prayer? Keep praying. Keep a heart of prayer. Keep a mindset of prayer. Fifthly, we need to seek the strength of the Lord and take our courage from God. Verse 6, God says, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, God says, be strong and of good courage that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Verse 9, God says, be strong and of good courage. We are to derive our strength from the Lord. Obviously, Joshua didn't feel strong or courageous. God had to speak this to him and into him. Isn't it awesome that when God speaks to us, he doesn't just speak at us, he speaks into us? This is what Hebrews chapter 4 um, tells us in verse 12, when it says that the word of God is alive, living, powerful, stronger than any two-edged sword, dividing between the bone and the marrow. God's word gets into us. It doesn't just sit on top of us. We can ingest it and it can be part of us. And this is what God is doing. He is speaking strength. He is speaking courage 
into Joshua. So we, in order to be prepared to take the promises, cannot measure the job before us by our own strength or by our own courage. No, we measure it by the greatness of our God, and we take our strength from the strength of the Lord. Paul, in Ephesians 6.10, told the believers to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. After that, Paul informed the believers of the unseen host and powers that were in opposition to them. I'm glad Paul didn't tell us about all those powers and principalities first, because we probably would have been, oh no, what are we going to do? But he first told us, be strong in the Lord. Take your strength from God Almighty. That's how you stand against the forces of evil. And when you stand in the strength of the Lord, these forces of evil cower. So Paul, again, be strong in the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot famously said, courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to do the very thing we fear. The phrase, um, be strong and courageous, can also mean take courage in the Lord. In other words, find your courage in the Lord. God was saying to Joshua, lean into me for all the strength and all the courage you're going to need for this undertaking, for this calling that I've called you to do. God does not expect you to use your limited strength, energy, or wisdom to possess the promises. To be prepared to enter into the promises of God, you need to learn how to lean into Take from the strength and courage of the Lord. The endeavor before you is going to require greater strength than you have ever felt. It is going to require greater strength than you have ever known. But the good news is the great I am that I am. I am your strength. I am your power. I am your courage. I am your victory goes before us and with us and has storehouses of strength and courage to empower us. Seven, we need to meditate, sorry, six, we need to meditate on God's word. Joshua 1.8, this is God's word to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditation is more than reading. Evan Lynn Wood's speed reading course won't work for the Bible. The Bible is a spiritual book, and it requires spiritual concentration, spiritual consideration, and spiritual meditation. The word meditation here means to mutter to yourself. It's actually an agricultural term. It actually literally means to chew the cud. A cow grasps the blade of grass. He chews, he swallows. The blade of grass goes into his stomach, which is two chambers. It's mixed with digestional juices, and it is digested. 
and then it returns to the cow's mouth. I hope you're not grossed out by this to be chewed again, to get the full flavor and the full nutrition and to become fully digested. So the word of God goes into us, but we're to recall it to our memory, bring it back to mind and think it over and over again, that we might get the full nutritional value from the word of God, get the full flavor of what God is saying to us. We are to meditate on it. The more we fill our heart and mind with God's word, the more it will come out of our lips. In Matthew 12, 34 and Luke 66, 45, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you realize what that means? That means that if we fill our heart with the word of God, it's just going to flow out of our mouths. It's not that we're going to say, oh, I need to say a scripture right now. I need to say a scripture. It's just going to come out of us. So we need to meditate on God's word. Seven. We need to receive the encouragement others desire to give to us. In verses 13 through 18 of Joshua chapter 1, the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh come to Joshua. Though they have already settled their families in the lands that were won from Og and Bashan on the other side of the Jordan, the side of the Jordan where the camp of Israel is camped, Joshua then reminds them, of the vow they made to Moses. In fact, Joshua is reminding of the promise that they promised. They promised to fulfill their vow to Moses that they would indeed go over the Jordan with Israel to fight for the lands of the other tribes that the other tribes of Israel might possess their promises. They promised to follow Joshua with the addendum to Joshua Only the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. Only be strong and of good courage. These two and a half tribes who settled in unspecified territory prayed for Joshua, encouraged Joshua, and even challenged Joshua to be the leader God had called him to be, even as Moses was a leader sent from God. I I love this um, promise or this addendum, this prayer, this encouragement that these tribes gave to Joshua. Leadership needs prayer. Leadership needs encouragement. Too many times we say, well, they're the leader. They're closer to God. I I need their encouragement. But you receive encouragement from the messages you're given. But leadership, those who are taking the, the church of God into new territory. They need God's wisdom, God's strength, God's courage, God's wisdom. Paul, on at least three different occasions, asked for prayer. In Ephesians 6.19, in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, in 1 Timothy 2.1-2, Paul exhorted that prayers and supplications be made for all who are in leadership. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, he asked for a prayer. 
even as your leaders need encouragement, I understand that you need encouragement. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, as you would others do unto you, do for them. If you need encouragement, begin to encourage others. This word from the tribes actually confirmed God's personal word to Joshua. Isn't it incredible how people will often give us a scripture and it encourages and it confirms the very word that we feel God is impressing on us. And they were telling Joshua, lead us. Step up to the charge that God has given you. Do all that God is telling you to do. Joshua is no doubt further encouraged to move forward because of this encouragement. Now, because Joshua took these seven steps to preparation, because Joshua listened to these tribes encourage him. Joshua was prepared to go in and possess the promises, but he was also able to prepare the people to possess the promises. In verse 11, we read, he began to encourage all the people to possess the promises. He told them it was time to pack up camp and be ready to move across the Jordan River and into the promised land. In other words, the 40-year wait was over. When you prepare yourselves to receive the promises of God, the natural outflow is that you will prepare others. Again, that word of God will just flow out of you. You'll be an inspiration and you'll be an example when you take the promises of God and you begin to stand in them, other people begin to seek the promises of God. You become an example of how to receive, stand, and move forward in them. When I left Vista years ago, it was over 20 years ago now, I remember a woman writing to me and saying, Cheryl, you used to say that the Lord spoke to you in the word in this way or in that way. And I had never received anything from the word, but now you were gone and I had to receive myself. And I sat down with my Bible open and I said, God, speak to me like you speak to Cheryl. And I can honestly say that God then began to speak to me and I began to read. Receive so much from God's word. In other words, God was saying to my friend Suzanne, Cheryl, my servant, has moved to England. Now you arise and go into the promises I have for you. Other people need you to begin to move forward and make those preparations. Years ago, when I was a young pastor's wife, I was invited to socialize with a certain group of women. My first time meeting with them, going out to lunch with them, they were so cutting and so insulting to each other that I came home and said, Brian, those women are so competitive with each other. I don't want to ever be with those women again. I felt bad about the way I dressed. I didn't even want to say anything. And for those of you who know me, for me to be quiet, that's a big one. But that's how intimidated I was. And I remember Brian looked at me and said, who's the pastor's wife? And I said, well, you know, I am. And he said, then who's got the responsibility to lead them into kind behavior and the promises of God? And I said, well, I guess that would be me. And Brian said, absolutely. So the next time I met with those women and I met with them again, I went out to lunch. I decided to initiate the tone of the conversation. 
And with fear and trembling, but taking my courage from the Lord, I said, I want to share with you what I received from God in my devotions this morning. And I quoted the scripture God had given me, and I told them what I felt God impressing in my heart through my Bible study. And everyone went quiet. I was sure that was the last time I'd ever be invited to be with that group of women. I was sure they never wanted to hear from me again, and I thought I was pretty much hated by that group. But a strange thing happened. I was invited to lunch again. And when I went to lunch the next time, to my surprise, all of those women came with a scripture to share and something that the Lord had given them. Gone was the competition. Gone was the intimidation. Gone was the meanness and the cutting remarks. And in its place was a tremendous spirit of grace and of love and of courage and of power and of kindness. It was amazing. Those weekly lunches became the delight of my life. And oh, what an incredible encouragement they were. But I realized that those women were looking to me to lead. Perhaps your neighborhood is looking to you to lead them in the promises of God. Perhaps your family, your children are looking to you to lead them in the promises of God. Perhaps those in your group are looking to you to lead them in the promises of God. What is keeping you back? It's time to prepare yourself. Paul, the apostle, was able to say to the Corinthians in Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Again, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul took the initiative. He said to the people, begin to prepare yourself. Watch how I prepare and you prepare yourself. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul said, The things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Then in Philippians 3, 17, he said, Join in following my example. Paul could point to his own life. That requires living in the light, walking in plain sight, and being authentic, and preparing yourself in the preparations of the promises of God. Joshua had to do this. He had to prepare himself before he could prepare others in the to receive the promises of God. I don't know about you, but I know that I learn best by watching how someone else does it. You can tell me what buttons of the computer to push, but until you show me 50 billion times, I'm not going to catch on to it. I have to watch it. I have to see it done. The children of Israel must have been so excited to enter the promised land. They had been waiting for 40 years. They had watched their parents fail and fall to disease and death in the wilderness. And now here they were again at the very entrance to all the promises of God. And it was time to be prepared. And they were looking to Joshua. And Joshua prepared himself in the promises of God. 
by forgetting the past, arising, and simply getting going, if that makes sense, rehearsing the promise, practicing God's presence, seeking God's strength and courage for the work, meditating on God's word, and receiving the confirmation encouragement from others. Let's begin to prepare our hearts and lives to enter into and take possession of God's exceedingly great and precious promises. Because until you do, you cannot prepare anyone else for the promises of God. Let's pray. Lord, we understand that your promises are so good. Just like the land that you were giving to Israel was such a good land, flowing with milk and honey, and you had so many good things to show them, so many victories to bring into their lives. Lord, we pray that you would prepare us, your people, to receive the promises that you have for us. Lord, for those right now, who need to recognize new leadership, who need to forget the past and go forward, I pray that you would help them to put away the past, whether it's glorious or whether it's condemning, just to put it away. Lord, I pray for those who simply need to arise and go. They need to get out of bed. They need to um, put the key into the ignition. I pray that you would give them the strength to simply get up and move forward. Lord, for those who need to rehearse the promises, Lord, will you bring the promises to their heart and mind and help them to talk about them, to put them up, to look over and over again at the promises. Lord, I pray for those who need to practice the presence, who need to turn their thoughts into prayers, that you would give them the power to turn those thoughts to prayers. Lord, for those who need strength and courage, I pray that they would find you as the source, that they would learn how to take their strength and their courage from you, that they would realize that it's not in themselves and they don't have to lean on their own understanding. They don't have to lean into their own strength and courage or sum it up or try to drum it up, but just to receive it from you. Lord, I pray that they would learn how to meditate in the promises of God, how to meditate in your word how to ingest it, how to consider it, how to think about it, how to let it dominate their thoughts and actions and rule in their hearts. And Lord, I pray finally that we would in, we would be encouraged by one another, that we would seek to pray for one another and encourage each other in all the promises of God. Lord, work in us like you worked in that group that I had lunch with, that, Lord, we would not be a group of women that is cutting or insulting or competitive or looking to the past, but we would be a group of women as joyful life women who look to you for our strength, who receive from you and prepare others in the promises that we would be known for our love, for our joy, for our harmony, for our kindness, for our inspiration and encouragement. Lord, do this for these, your daughters, I ask in the name above all every other name that is named, in the name that is the source of all power and strength and courage, the name of Jesus Christ, the conqueror, the captain of our salvation, the Lord of lords and the King of glory. Amen.